Hello, welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And today we have Blake Johnston out of Nashville, Tennessee. He's the owner of Outbound View, which focuses on sales and lead generation. Hey, Blake, how you doing? That's right. You're listening to BizQuick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. BizQuick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. I'm doing awesome. How are you guys today? Doing well. We're good. This is going to be a little bit of an unusual podcast in that we're going to kind of do a ping pong back and forth interview type with each other because we're going to dual purpose this particular episode for both of our podcasts. 100%. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to kind of diving in and uh, getting your guys' perspective on quite a few things. Yeah. yeah, we're looking forward to it. Exactly. We love that you focus on small businesses. So it's right in our arena. Um, I'm, you want to just kind of start off and For sure. talk a little bit about the, what our, what our businesses are. So that would be great. Yep. I'll, I'll kick us off. So I'm the owner of Outbound View. You know, we focus uh, exclusively on sales and marketing, but more on the lead generation side of things. So We'll do things like uh, cold calling, outbound marketing, distribution, kind of everything in the prospecting level of finding new customers, as well as expanding existing customers. Um, and we work with anywhere from companies with a few employees all the way up to uh, to some larger companies as well. The uh, what we find like our ideal customers, you know, people are really trying to figure out that lead gen model and get consistency, you know, in their sales pipeline. Is there a particular industry that you focus on or a particular customer type? Um, yeah, we do almost everything we do falls more on the corporate side, meaning, you know, we're calling a lot into companies who are selling into HR, selling into compliance, you know, selling into larger customers. We don't do a lot of, you know, reaching out to chiropractors and small retailers and regional stuff. Pretty much everyone that kind of works with us typically has a solution, um, you know, that's in the $10,000 and up mark per year. Because there's, there's a certain number where it makes sense to deploy things like inside sales, which is really where our specialty is. And you're doing, it's, it's B2B work that you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Yeah. And for SB Pace, uh, we really have two, we small business focused, two, I would say key areas that are right in our, well, as you know, the new saying now is zone of genius. <laughs> I still like to say sweet spot though, um, which would be helping people launch new businesses and yeah. then helping um, owners go from working in the business to on the business is really our, our key specialties. Yeah. No, I, uh, it's so difficult to do because we're a small business. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we have basically 10 employees and a bunch of contractors, you know, we're, uh, I experience this on a regular basis of, you know, 
Uh, how much time can you spend in the day-to-day -day with the customers and making sure things are, are operating versus kind of taking a step back and saying, where are we actually going and, and what are the goals? And, you know, it's something that our business is, you know, actively going through right now. So I know every, every CEO struggles with that. Yeah, that's a challenge for small business owners. And it really is. I mean, when we talk about working, you know, in your business versus on your business, um, just the whole people, they're, they're moving a mile a minute and, you know, they think that they're getting work done when they're really not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's something that we see with a lot of people is that, you know, they, they, they just doing work doesn't mean you're actually doing anything productive. I, I had a realization with a mentor recently, and I'd love to get your guys' take on this. You know, I was describing to him to someone who, you know, uh, recently started uh, kind of a mentor relationship. And I was describing our business to him. And one of the things he used is was what he called opportunistic revenue, right? He's like, how much of your revenue is opportunistic versus very intentional? And um, so I kind of took a step back and, you know, was trying to kind of analyze exactly what that meant. And his premise was, you know, you're, you know, you have a team that's good at marketing, you're good at marketing, you're, you know, your co-founder's good at marketing. So you guys can kind of market your way into random revenue, honestly, because we can do content marketing and no inbound and SEO, but you know, just because a company comes to your website and fills out a contact form and then they turn into a customer still doesn't mean that they're an ideal customer. You know, they just found you. Um, and so that thought of like opportunistic revenue versus really intentional is something that, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling through and, and trying to figure out. <laughs> I have not heard that term before, but uh, it makes sense. And um, we, what's, you know, I, interesting is that we, I, you know how like something happens or you make a decision and then all of a sudden you just start seeing like all of these things lining up, right? Or all the conversations start going in a particular direction. Uh, probably about two weeks ago, a little less than we had made the decision to get a lot more intentional about who we were marketing to and who we wanted to be working with simply because, I mean, in all honesty, we would get frustrated with the number of people who recognize they need help, but are unwilling to do the work to get the help, right? Because there's right. only so much we can do on our side. And we can, we can draw the strategy for you, we can give you the map, but you have to do some of that work. And there's an upfront heavy investment of time when you're moving from being in working in the business to working on it, right? And so as we've become made the decision to be more and more intentional about who we want to work with, mm -hmm. then we have seen more and more people that are coming towards us that are have the exact same mindset. And it just was, it, it's not, it's unless you were really looking for it or aware that it happened, it was a really, really slight shift on our part. But the opportunistic revenue um, sometimes is, is harder, right? Because they don't fit right into your, your zone or your sweet spot. And so you're working harder to get these, that, those customers happy. Yep. Yeah, 100%. I, I'd be interested to get your guys' take on something because a lot of the people who listen to, uh, to our podcasts are 
like marketers, sales leaders, and, you know, they're kind of like small business owners, right? Because they have a little team of 10 people. They, some, you know, sales leaders, they have a responsibility, they have a revenue number. And I think the same thing happens with sales leaders and, and marketing leaders and every leader where you try and figure out how much can I be in the day-to-day versus the actual planning, right? The planning and the strategy and working on it versus like being being in it. What are, you know, what are your guys' just recommendations, you know, like some high level things for, for those folks to think about? Because, you know, most individual contributors kind of own their own little business and so do most sales and marketing leaders as well. Um, I mean, three things come to mind and they're all kind of intertwined. Um, the first, especially for leaders and small business owners, like one of the <clears throat> hardest things for them to give up is control. You know, and so learning how to delegate, which is not something that you can, I mean, you probably, I'm sure there's probably a class out there, but that's just something you need to learn how to do. Um, That's important. And the way you feel comfortable about doing that is by having, um, well, you know, well-documented systems and processes and then proper training, because with all of that, then, you know, you have the people out there doing what they need to do and you can more on strategy instead of, you know, being in the trenches with, with everybody else. I think that's, those three things right there are the probably the, the best in my opinion. Yep. Agreed. I think the, the systems and processes are critical, especially for small business owners. And you, I, we tend to think, eh, not, not so much, or maybe they don't get the focus that marketing does or, you know, going out, like paying attention to your financials, but they really, in many ways, that's everything is driven from how your systems and processes are implemented. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, because we do a lot of outbound marketing work, you know, there's list building and there's building messaging and then there's specific follow-ups. And then if this happens, you have to do this. There's all these little things, mm-hmm. um, that early on we weren't documenting it, you know, it was kind of like, it was myself and a few people who've been doing this forever. And as the team gets bigger, you know, if it's not documented, you can't coach against it. Um, but that, you know, the, it, it takes a while, but it's, it's absolutely critical. Makes a ton of sense. For your business, um, you know, doing the, the, the lead gen and, and inside sales and all of that, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's probably, I mean, you said earlier, well, I think it was before we started this, that there's a certain point where people come to you because they need help. You know, they, they've reached a certain level and they need to outsource, you know, that work to somebody else. Um, and I'm sure that most of those people, most of your clients were probably having the same problems before. So there's like mm-hmm. some commonalities with, with your clients. What are like some of the major pitfalls that people have when they're out there, you know, looking for, for leads and that type of stuff? Well, you know, what typically happens if it's in like a growing healthy business is that, you know, you hire a couple salespeople and those people are so busy closing that they don't have time to prospect. Right. And so you make the decision, do you hire another salesperson that's, you know, a closer and then expect them to prospect? Or do you start to, you know, segment and use kind of less expensive folks that their only job is prospecting that you can kind of nurture along? And so that's the most common is just they're not prospecting because they don't have enough time because they're hopefully closing other business or doing other things. So that's the healthy example. 
We have an unhealthy example though, right? Where a lot of people come to us have tried inside sales. You know, they've tried cold calling, cold emailing, they've kind of dipped their toe in it a little bit, but it's not a dip your toe in situation, right? The, the people who really struggle with inside sales, they hire one person and then don't give them technology processes data. They're just like, hey, go figure it out. And, you know, if the CEO can't figure it out and the head of sales can't figure it out, the kid that's one year out of college isn't going to figure it out, right? So, you know, typically you want to hire inside sales people or people that are specific for prospecting really when you have it figured out, right? So, and you've decided to make an investment and an investment in inside sales is typically going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. You know, you can, once again, you can dip your toe in with sending a bunch of mass emails, but to really do it the right way, when you talk about dedicating, if you're dedicating two people, you're over a hundred thousand dollars if those are full time, plus the things that they need. So it's not a, it's not a small little decision and people think that it is. Yeah. I, I'm curious when you talk about cold calling and cold emailing, mm-hmm. do you think there's a place for that in every business regardless of industry or do you think that it is more suited for certain industries and where and there are places where it just doesn't make sense for businesses to do it yeah there there are industries where if you run the math behind it it becomes very tough to justify things like cold calling right if you're calling into it departments they pick up the phone two percent of the time it is pretty tough you better sell a pretty expensive solution or have a pretty high conversion to make the math work that you can have enough conversations to build enough sales pipeline. Same thing with marketers. Marketers like don't pick up the phone that often. So you run into issues there. It's pretty rare though. I mean, most small businesses, they start growing because of the founders network and you're typically cold emailing or meeting somebody here doing that. I think there's a difference between doing it at scale, which is, you know, working through 500 new prospects a month and making a thousand plus dials and, e- and sending emails versus dipping your toe. I mean, at pretty much every industry you can dip your toe in it, but that doesn't mean you should, you know, you should have a dedicated person doing it. We're going to take a quick break to let our friend Steve Lanner tell you about his business, Lashley Street Roasters. Hey, this is Steve, head roaster and owner of Lashley Street Roasters. And my goal is to get you the freshest cup of coffee possible. I don't roast the beans until you submit your order shipped out within 48 hours. So when my coffee arrives, you've got the freshest coffee you've ever had. Check out LashleyStreetRoasters.com to submit your order online and make sure you submit now so you start off 2021 with the right amount of caffeine. Thanks, Steve. And you can connect with Steve with the links in the show notes. Now back to the podcast. I think we've talked about this before offline, but I am very curious about your thoughts on, um, you know, well, specifically, I want to ask about Zoom info, but if... Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to ask about it because, you know, we have um, a client who is just in love with that solution and really thinks that it's just simply the best solution, but it's really cost prohibitive and he's a small business owner, new business. And I, I believe me personally, that there are a lot of other options out there beyond zoom info. Um, But I sometimes I struggle with trying to articulate to this client, like the different paths that they can take that are going to cost them less money, but will generate revenue. Oh, for sure. I mean, 
to know like the data world, I mean, you really got to be in it. Um, and to use something like Zoom Info, which is, you know, I mean, let's say baseline 15K a year. I mean, it can be quite a bit more than that. But you, you better be doing outbound at scale, right? I mean, you better, like, if, you're, if that's what you're going to spend on data, then you better have full-time people dedicated to it. Like, to have a $20,000 data solution for someone who's making 10 calls a day is crazy, right? I mean, it just it doesn't add up. So it depends. If you're looking for email only, there's a million email only solutions that are just cheap. I mean, so inexpensive. Um, you're talking $50 a month inexpensive for probably enough email data. Now, you know, email, email is getting harder and harder every day, right? So at some point you might need to get phones, but it depends on what you're doing. I mean, you, if you're not serious about outbound, you probably don't need Zoom info or to be spending 20 grand on data. You'd be better off, you know, with a worse data solution and an intern you're paying couple grand a month to actually do the outreach, you know? Yeah. So it's funny you say that. So we, you know, we, we, we looked at zoom info and um, I just don't feel, I, for us personally, I don't feel like cold calling is at least right now, it's not really the best way for us. It's not, it's not really the right, the right approach. Emailing, cold emailing. Absolutely. But we, um, came up with somebody that in my network had recommended. He's like, Hey, I got a, I got a tool. It's like 300 bucks a year and the data is really good. But you, you know, when you're running a search, you're going to have to go through and kind of clean it up a little bit. Cause you might get some, you know, results that aren't part of it. So, you know, we spent, I think we got it on sale for black Friday. We spent like 240 bucks on this tool called lead scrape that gives us, a ton of output results and then you just got to you spend you know 30 40 minutes cleaning up the results and i i've never had a i used it on a trial basis beforehand and i've never had a single email bounce from it and wow. i've gotten you know like five or six um like good leads out of using it and it's you know i'm like it, that's cheap 250 dollars for a year <laughs> is nothing Nothing. Yeah, that, I mean, that's crazy too. I mean, even on, uh, I mean, your bounce rates are, are uh, absurd. I've never used that specific tool, but even with the best tools, you still see 10% bounce yeah. typically. Um, and yeah, you'd be better off, let's say doing that and getting a virtual admin off Upwork for $8 an hour to clean uh, and to do all, you know, admin type work all day long, you know, versus something like that. Uh, um, it, you can really spend a lot of money on data. Like we, we are Zoom Info users. Um, and the reason that we're Zoom Info users is we put it up against 15 other companies on call data and we do a lot of calling. It's the basis of our business. Um, you know, and their, their, their data is the best um, there, but most companies don't do what we do, right? You know, they're, they're not making that level that many calls what's the and this might be a really naive question but i'm i'm not the mathlete on this call so i feel okay asking what's the what's the break-even point for how many calls you really should be making a day to make zoom info be a good a good buy yep i mean you so you have to run the math against your persona right so uh uh, you would want to look at dial to connect rate. So let's take a normal corporate title like VP of HR. 
you know, VPs of HR answer the phone 5% of the time. So you need to make a hundred dials to have five conversations. So you, you'd never want to fall below 10% conversion of conversation to meeting. So that means if you're at 10% and you're only having five conversations, making a hundred dials every two days, you're setting a meeting. So uh, that, you know, so that would equal out if you're just running that out across 20 business days, you're setting a decent amount of meetings, making a hundred dials. Uh, but, you know, because we know this world, you'd be much better off paying 500 bucks or a thousand bucks a month for a really good dialer, adding that data on top and having, you know, 20 conversations a day. Wow. Right. So most people think, cause like when I, I came up in, in sales, it was like, you make 50 calls a day like that just it doesn't work the numbers will don't work out unless you have 20 percent dial to connects which you know unless you're calling plumbers or a retail business you just you're never going to have and it's it's funny you kind of bring up a point in there <laughs> that uh, a lot of especially small business owners problems that they have is um when we get back you know going back to like delegation and training and all that it's it's paying somebody to do the work that you shouldn't be doing and that's that's something that a lot of people they just they don't they don't grasp it and like I remember I, I worked in, in restaurants for years and um, one of my business partners uh, she was just crazy when it came to um, like just pension pennies pension pennies everywhere she could um, and it was one of those things where I'm like we have to spend some money if we want to grow <laughs> like you know, yeah. so that, that was always, that was always an argument that we had, but. Well, I, I'd be, you guys know this world, especially working with small business owners a lot more than I do, but the questions that we get, you know, cause we have a lot of small businesses that reach out to us. The questions that we get around where they spend money, like that most of them are very concerning, right? Because, you know, I'm a small business owner. I don't really know sales or marketing. What do I do? Like I go to an agency. So you go to an agency and I don't care. Like I've worked in agency world. Anything you do at an agency is a thousand dollars. Like they can't make money unless it's a thousand dollars. doesn't matter whether it's SEO or paid uh, or whatever. Um, a brochure, a video can be $5,000. I mean, you just, you get into looking at marketing budgets specifically and where that money is being spent for small businesses. And it is, it is all over the board and most of it are things that you could find on Fiverr for a hundred dollars, you know, uh, or $50 or just all of these things paying for graphic design and paying for all these things that don't actually lead to more revenue. Um, but it's really tough to coach people. It'd be like, you know, coaching me on finance. I mean, I, you know, I know sales and marketing, like finance is not my thing. I know it at a high level, but, um, there's so many mistakes made, made, made there. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, a, a, another good point there is that, you know, just knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at um, and for small business owners and, you know, people, you know, managers, whoever um, knowing enough that, you know, you can get by, but not like, you know, we, we have a lot of people when it comes to finance, they just stick their head in the sand, you know, they, just, they don't want to yeah. talk about it. They don't want to worry about it. You know, it's, it's, it, but you need to know, you need to know it at least on the, like a high level. 
you know, you need to be able to look at a P&L and understand why, you know, costs are what they are and, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I think it's been the year of um, a lot of small business owners searching for silver bullet, right? They're making like I, and, and, and probably most frequently in either finance or sales and marketing, right? Like how to, uh, how do I better control my finances or where do I find money that I can, you know, put towards the finances. And then there's, how do I get more clients on the acquisition side? Like, what am I doing wrong? How do I get there? And people looking for desperately searching for answers in those two areas because of how difficult the year has been for so many small business owners. And they're just unsure of where to turn or how to pivot on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, blocking and tackling that most most companies miss, not just small businesses when it comes to marketing. I mean, there are things like invest in your website, invest in contents, invest in SEO. Like over the years, you'll never regret that you, you know, invested in SEO and now you're organically ranking, um, you know, for certain terms. And a lot of it is to your point, it's chasing money. Like you're, you're, you're chasing revenue and making a lot of short-term decisions. Yeah, we, that has been our guidance to clients and just, you know, small business owners that we've talked with over the past couple of months is content, 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 like push the content and just get out there, be providing value through that content whenever you can um, and steering people to reach anybody. It's been the guidance that we've been giving to small business owners. The big guys are going to, they're going to out buy the ads every day of the week. So there's no point in even doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you don't, you know, well, it's same with, like I mentioned, if you're not going to put in enough time and money and effort to really figuring it out, like you, these things, you don't just turn on and all of a sudden you just have an influx of leads. There's usually a, even when you're doing it the right way, a two month period of that didn't work. This did work of, of dialing it in. And that two month period typically will cost you, you know, 10 to 20 grand. Um, so you have to be ready for it. Yeah. It's crazy. I 100%. Um, so what are some of the um, common things that you've seen themes that you've seen this year from, from, you know, business owners? Yeah, I'll go off your content theme. Um, there are so many cold emails going on, not as many cold calls, but so many cold emails out there. There's so much outreach going on uh, on LinkedIn that is basically follows this theme. Um, Hi, my name is Blake. I work at X company. We do this thing. These are the companies we work with. Do you want to meet for 15 or 20 minutes? Like if you, if you look at all the cold emails you get, that's where most of them, that's, that's kind of, they're around that theme. A lot of the things we do are like, we just distribute the best content for people, right? So if you have a really good case study, you know, send that case study to a hundred prospective clients try and get them to read it. And then the chance of them coming to a call and then that turning into a prospect is much higher than just blindly asking for meetings. Yeah. Right. So, you know, when you create that good content, you know, don't just throw it on your blog, distribute it. That could be a cold email. So we do a lot of outreach. That's like, Hey, do you have 30 seconds? The only reason I'm reaching out is because, we have a case study with Boston Children's and you're via VP of HR at a hospital. Like, can I send you the case study? 
walk away, send it, and they come back. You know, so content first is something that we do a lot of. That's a that's a brilliant strategy in terms of like using leveraging the case study like that, and rather than putting everything into the blog, sending it out to to you know prospect prospects um, with sort of an introduction as to why they're getting it or why you think that material might be valuable to them. I will say as a side note, I did not realize, and maybe it's just happened this year. LinkedIn is predatory. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, the LinkedIn bots and yeah, there's a lot there. Uh-huh. I used to think it was just Facebook. I'd be like, oh my God, everybody's selling something on Facebook. But then I noticed, especially on the back half of this year, just hundreds of emails a week of people with like, you know, they make a connection, you connect with them, and then their next move is to try and sell you something. I'm like, I, what, do you want to know what problems I might have before you're like, I mean, everybody wants to sell me lead generation. Everybody. I, everyone wants to sell us lead generation. And we do it. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> so, That's yeah, I, I know. It's a, you know, the LinkedIn automation uh, is just, it's gotten out of hand, you know. Um, and it was really good, year, you know, a couple years ago. But it's it's tough to do that. I mean, you really got to be in some niches for that to work. Now, there are ways to do LinkedIn I, what I would say is the right way, but not, uh, you know, not just randomly pitching people, uh, you know, the second they connect with you. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. You have to offer some type of value, but also like, I don't know, maybe we, sometimes I feel like Corey and I are really like the odd, the oddballs when it comes to, you know, coaching and consulting, because we're really focused very hard on trying to understand what the problem is and what your goals are before we're ever trying to sell you anything, right? We're just not, we don't want to be the people that are like selling clients things they don't need because we just don't ever want to be in that situation. And so we spend a lot of time up front, like really understanding what the problems are. And I, I don't see that from a lot of people. No, no, not at all. We, uh, you, you guys have to brag a little bit on, on your book. Uh, oh yeah. Like, you know, what what made you write a book? You know, how was it so successful? You know, talk a little bit about your book. Well, we wanted to punish ourselves. <laughs> uh, so we decided that we were going to write a book. And uh, now we, it, it all started back in like, kind of like it went hand in hand with us starting our, our um, consulting firm this year, where we were just talking to small business owners, um, just all over friends and family, just trying to figure out what's, what was going on, how we could help that type of stuff. Um, and just realized that there's, I mean, this blindsided everybody, but we realized that the um, most people were more prepared than they thought, but there was a lot of preparations that could have been done ahead of time that were just that they should just do as small business owners. So the book's called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. And that's, that's what it is. Um, but the the first two thirds of the book are really about building a strong foundation and knowing your business, knowing your customers, knowing your people um, and having all of that set so that, you know, even if a UFO landed in your warehouse tomorrow, you could still kind of survive it because you have, you know, a strong foundation. Um, and then the last third is all about actually building out a disaster plan. Um, like, and that's pretty much it. Did I cover yeah, it? You did. And it's, um, I think one of the reasons that it's really has been successful is because 
would say the most common piece of feedback that we get on it is that it's a business book that's enjoyable to read. There's, you know, stories and examples in there and there's a lot of exercises. It comes with a workbook and, um, you know, I, I think we wrote it knowing that it was, it would help small business owners and that it would also be a good lead generator for us. But more than anything, I think we've realized that it's really helping business owners with having that solid foundation for their, for their business. So. Yeah. I, uh, of the, you know, when somebody reads it, right. What percentage of them have the, you know, the major check marks, right. Like, uh, you know, from the range of I'm not prepared at all to, you know, you guys would say they're pretty buttoned up or are most small business uh, owners, which side do they fall on? I say most of them are probably somewhere in the middle and the ones who read it and take the time to do the exercises as they go through it are really buttoned up by the time they're done. And we, we've had a number of people who have reported back to us that they did every single exercise. So it took them like three months to get through the book because they did everything and they wanted to just have all the information correct. And other people have gone through it in like a week or less and, um, have had most of the stuff already done beforehand or just skipped it in total, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, you know, cause a lot of the stuff in there, you know, like it, people might have kind of like a, like a, an idea they've, you know, t- you know, they've got it in their head, but they haven't written it down on paper or anything like that. And, you know, I mean the, the only real barrier to entry um, to most businesses is cash. So, you know, a lot of people like they don't have that business background. They don't know, you know, what an ROI is or a SWAT is or anything like that. So, you know, it's, it's helping people who don't have that business background essentially kind of get a crash course in at least that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. It was interesting to write it for sure. (laughs) I, I, uh, I started writing a book. I wonder how many people have, you know, said that I started writing a book and then got, I don't know. I think it was around 50 or 60 pages. And I was like, I'm just, I, I'm never going to finish this. So I just turned it into blog posts, you know, like that. <laughs> Content. Yeah. I, I would guess one of the only reasons that we finished it. Well, first off, we're pretty, we're, we're good at follow through. When we say we're going to do something, we'll actually execute on it. But we paid somebody up front to help us map out the entire book. And I think because we had a financial investment in that, we're like, we're getting this money back. Yeah. So yeah that this book and we also i mean told everybody pretty publicly that we are writing a book so <laughs> that's a good way to do it yeah. yeah i one of the one of the most public ways was um i don't i don't know if you're familiar with who jesse itzler is who mm-hmm. um so he's married to sarah blakely the founder of Spanx. yeah and he has this pretty big community this build your life resume community and um he won every Monday. He used to do these Facebook lives with this community that he has formed. And one Monday he just randomly was pulling people into this Facebook live. And so he pulled me into the Facebook live and he's like, Julie, what are you doing this summer? What are you up to? And I'm like, well, you know, uh, started a business and, you know, Corey and I are writing a book and um, it'll be out in like six weeks. And he's like, I want to support you. I want to buy as many copies as I can. Tell me when it's done. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And he did. He actually bought a hundred copies and then donated them back to us to give to small business owners. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That was really, really generous of him. You want to start wrapping this thing up? Yeah. Let's start wrapping it up. All right. 
Um, you want to tell our listeners how they can find you, Blake? For sure. Yep. Uh, go to outboundview.com. Uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn if you search Blake Johnston Outbound View. I'll come right up. Either uh, either of those are the easiest way. Perfect. And you're about to find out how you can get us. <laughs> so first, thank you for um, doing this kind of co-podcast with us today. This was a yeah. lot of fun. And hopefully the listeners get a lot of content out of it. Also want to um, let everybody know that the information for contacting Blake will be in our show notes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I will do uh, do the same. And uh, obviously I'll link to the book, which everyone uh, everyone should check out. Like I said, I think there's, you know, there's more to it. Uh, obviously it's great for small business owners, but it's also great for just anyone who's owning and planning and doing all those types of things. Um, yeah. And then uh, give out your website as well for uh, for my listeners. Sure. Um, we have our website, which is SBPACE, for it stands for Small Business Planning, Advising, Coaching, Expertise. So SBPACE.com. And we also have our podcast uh, website, which is BizQuickPodcast.com. And all of our social media and, and ways to connect with us are on those websites as well. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, it was great. Well, thanks a lot, Blake. Yeah, thanks, Blake. This was great. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it.